Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. For the next two weeks, we are taking a break from Ephesians for messages highlighting Christmas. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we will be listening to a message by Pastor Harris from December 19, 2021. This message was first taught to us by the Apostle John in the first chapter of his gospel, beginning with verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Please listen to Jim as he gives us today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Word Made Flesh. We at Heritage Bible Church wish you all a merry, Christ-centered Christmas. We're going to look today at John's, the Apostle John's inspired explanation of Luke 2, 1 through 20. It's John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Because the Word came flesh, you should... Behold His glory, receive His grace, and understand God. Many Bible commentators believe that John 1.14 is the most important or the, the, the greatest verse in the Bible. Now, you might be saying, well, ah, no, my John 3.16 can beat up your John 1.14. Okay, they're both really important, but the whole Gospel of John is summarized in his prelude. That's verses 1 through 18 of chapter 1. The, the, the prelude, or the pr prologue, I should have said, not prelude. The, the prologue is summarized in verses 14 through 18. That's our text. And verse 14 is the summary of the prologue. Here it is, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh. What Word? Well, he's assuming you read verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This says God became flesh. Second person of the Trinity became flesh. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, this one, Jesus Christ, became flesh. Now, as, as John put this together, and he was guided by the Holy Spirit, of course, but he wrote with great precision in order to very specifically guard the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. The word became is a word that means that came to be. The word, which already was, came to be flesh. He did not cease to be what he was before. 
He didn't stop being what he was. He didn't stop being the Word and start being flesh. The Word took on flesh. That's what it means. He came to be something new by taking on humanity. When Jesus became flesh, as John carefully explains here, didn't stop being God, he took on human nature, remained divine. And when you think about it, you realize that this verse describes, and this is why the commentators think this is the most significant verse, this is the greatest act of condescension and sacrificial love of all time. God stooped to take on humanity, which He created, which had fallen and rebelled against Him. He became one of us in order to provide redemption. This is, if you will, the ultimate miracle. The infinite God took on finite human flesh and entered our world, and He did it in a miraculous way, in a spectacularly humble way, by means of a virgin birth. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come in a spaceship, which He could have done. He came as a little baby by means of the virgin birth. The Bible over and over asserts that Jesus Christ is fully human and fully divine, and those two natures united in Him are not fused together so that He's neither human nor divine. He's some hybrid. They're not one overshadowing the other. If you'd like a quick summary of some of the evidence, the Bible supports no other conclusion than that Jesus was fully human and He was fully divine. He took on humanity. He experienced physical weakness. He, I mean, He came as a little baby. He had to be cared for. He had to be fed. He had to be clothed. He, he grew. He, he matured. He experienced weariness, thirst, hunger, pain, emotion, all the things that we associate with being human. But He was also divine. There are many times during His life that Jesus manifested omniscience. Now, typically, I think He kept the shade pulled over many, most of His attributes, but he manifested omniscience by knowing what people were thinking without there having been any communication to tell him what was on their minds. He manifested omnipotence every single time he did a miracle. He was showing he had power beyond the natural. Now, most of all, he didn't just leave us to guess. Jesus claimed equality with God the Father. If you're Following along with our daily emails as we're doing little devotions through John, um, you've already seen these next two passages I'm going to read you. If you're not following along, well, join us. Give us your email address and ask to be on the list, and you'll start getting it in your inbox every day. But we've already been here, John 8, 58 and 59. We'll talk about the context some other time, but Jesus said to them, this is a very public context at one of the contexts in one of the feasts at Israel, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, literally, before Abraham came into being, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why did they pick up stones? Because the law of Moses required that blasphemers be stoned, and they understood Jesus was saying... I existed before Abraham. I am eternal. I am God. And they said, oh, no, you're not. That was their opinion. So we have to kill you. They felt that was their duty. Then there's John 10, 
30 to 33. I and the Father are one. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered him, For good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Now that's a big problem unless you are a man who happens to be God. He didn't, he, he didn't hide this. There are people in a couple of cults in particular that specifically say, Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh yeah, well, the people who hated him the most got that message loud and clear. Yes, he did, because he was God in human flesh. The relationship between those two natures, humanity and deity, within Jesus Christ will always be beyond your total comprehension. Why? Well, we have finite minds. Uh, Furthermore, we have sin-cursed finite minds. Minds. That's why I call us sin-cursed pea brains. Compared to God, we have a little tiny brain. Compared to God, we're fine. We are the creature. He's the He's the Creator. Even if you can't explain it, though, to affirm that this is how Jesus Christ is revealed in the Bible, that's crucial. It'll never be stated better than John worded it in this text, and then, having been attacked for the first few centuries of the church, this. Doctrine will never be summarized better than it was summarized by the Council of Chalcedon in A.D. 451. What's the big whoop about Chalcedon in A.D. 451? Well, as Christianity began to spread, as the gospel took root and, and, and bore fruit, people attacked the teaching. Some attacked the deity of Christ, some attacked the humanity of Christ. It's about an equal proposition as it, as it uh, wore on over the centuries. And so, this church council dealt with several of those heresies assaulting the humanity or the deity of Jesus and uh, came up with this statement of the definition of what we call the hypostatic union. That's the union of the deity and the humanity of Jesus. Now, I could exegete this. I won't. Just listen to how profound and precise this is. This is from the Council of Chalcedon in 451 A.D. People don't write like this anymore. We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, to be acknowledged in two natures, inconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of natures being in no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being reserved and concurring in one person and one subsistence, not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten, God the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the prophets from the beginning have declared concerning Him, and the Lord Jesus Christ Himself has taught us, and the creed of the Holy Fathers has handed down to us. (sighs) One sentence. All of that putting together. Fully God, fully man, united in Christ, both intact. You might even say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, 
And we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.